Welcome to Stand Up Stand Up, presented by IT Misfits. This is where tech professionals and comedy intersect daily in your new favorite stand-up meet. Each episode has two parts, a roundtable discussion on an IT topic, and then an open source open mic, where each comic shares or works on a stand-up comedy bit. At the end of the week, we perform our final crafted bit. Just like any good stand-up meeting, we try to make these short and valuable. Hopefully, this brings a smile to your day, gives you something to think about, and most importantly, gives you something funny you can share with other IT professionals. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining. Thank you to my fellow misfit, Matt Campisi. My name is Jerry Black. Let's get into it. And today the quote is from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It is fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Uh, that's really good, right? That's really good. And and just from a, hey, you know, you can, if you care about something, that's great. But if you do it in a way that others will, will uh, want to join you, man, now you're talking about, you know, now you're talking about changing big things. Now you're talking about having people behind you to help and that sort of deal. And that really is a, a key to not just being, you know, sort of Don Quixote out there, um, you know, tilting it tilting at windmills all on your own, right? You are, you're with other people and you're, you're yeah. really trying to make a difference. So that was a great quote. Uh, all right. Well, today is the, the final day of our, of our interview with uh, Jerry Corley. And uh, so hopefully everybody's enjoyed that this week, but before we get into that, let's do a little open source comedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm finding it weird that people are still late to meetings because we're virtual. Like, all you got to do is that. Oh, I joined the meeting, <laughs> right? Before it was like, oh, I had to get to the office. Oh, I couldn't find, I don't know exactly what room we were in. Oh, sorry about that. Now, literally that. And then, oh, but well, I had to stop at the bathroom. You know, you could just mute your phone and still join. Don't have the camera on. Take your phone in there. We all do it anyways. No, you were playing. I know you were doing Wordle in there with it. So what difference does it make? And then if you join and you're not really paying attention, we all have the, oh, can you say that again? Oh, sorry, I got, I, I couldn't hear you. Oh, my audio went out. Can you say that one more time? We've all got that. And then, so just, can you explain that again? And all of a sudden, they just explain it again. And wash your hands, wash your hair, relax. It's easy. There's no reason to not be on calls and to not be on time. You can you could be 15 minutes early to a call these days. Nobody even cares. In the old days, if you went and sat in a room for 15 minutes before a meeting started, people would be like, what is what are you doing? Why are you in here all by yourself? How long have you been here? Don't you have another job? <laughs> now you just go join it. Sure, you could join three or four of them. You could probably join all of your meetings for, for the entire day right now. Just join them all. Have all the windows open. And then when somebody shows up in a meeting, you're like, oh, hey, how's it going? And you just drop right into it. So don't be late. It's just driving me crazy that anybody is ever awesome. late to meetings. Anymore. All right. Wow. Well, uh, with that said, thanks, man. Let's, uh, let's get into that final interview with Jerry Corley. And I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoy. I mean, you're writing all the time. And so are you then... Um, 
Like, how are, how are you refining that? How do you like, oh, and I'm going to, that, that's my next six minutes or that's my next 10 minutes. How do you do that? Well, a lot of times, you know, when I write a joke, I know, like George Carlin said, I know with high uh, 98% odds that a joke is going to be funny before I step on stage. When he first said that to me, I was like, oh my God, how do you know this? And he said, because the joke contains all the elements necessary for a joke to be funny. And then, so I started really, really getting down and studying, okay, how do I know this? How do I know this? How do I know this? And as I began to see the patterns and understand the laughter triggers, why psychologically, why, human, why humans laugh. And I started to say, oh, this joke contains that. This joke contains surprise. I, also, I created an expectation to shatter that assumption. That's even got more of a surprise there. Um, then, uh, then I know with high odds it's going to work. But as I test it on stage, I still know the audience is always the final judge. That joke could die, even though I think it's funny. So I'll try it out in front of the audience. That's the actual first draft. So the first writing it on the page, that's the rough draft. Taking it on the stage, that's the first draft. Because as you're on stage, that dynamic between you and the audience, how they look at you, whether they frown, whether they raise their eyebrows, whether they shrug, whether they laugh, whether they giggle, whether they, oh, whether they go, oh, shit, then you can respond off of that. All of a sudden, that joke starts to evolve. So as I take it to the stage, I know what I'm going to say. And I know how I'm going to say it because I practiced it. And as it take as it hits the stage, that joke may flip a little bit or change just a teeny bit, depending on how this audience is responding. So I think that's one of the ways that I watch that joke evolve, and I'll practice it. And sometimes the joke will evolve over several times on stage. There are other times where I just write a joke for an event, and I know with very high odds, just because of the way the joke is written, that that joke will work, and just because it just it has. Like Carlin said, all the elements necessary for a joke to get a laugh. And I teach those elements in the book. That's the teaser formula, right? That's the, and it's like, but that's still kind of a metaphor. And you have to sort of walk through actually writing a joke and then seeing how it works. And I think as a beginner, one of the best things for you to do is learn how to write jokes because then the stories become easier to write. And you start seeing those relationships from all the little structures. And sometimes you can just study the formulas that are on in the book, right? And then you can then say in start telling a story and realize, okay, I see a double entendre here. I see a, I see an incongruity joke here. I see a reverse here. I see a simple truth joke here. There's a, uh, some comedic irony in the overall, overall scenario. And it's like, oh, so let me write it this way. Like, for example, there was a guy who shared with me something about his father. <clears throat> he said, my father is a priest at a mental institution in the UK. And so that's the fact, right? It starts with just a fact. So one of the keys to do is just write down facts. Don't try to be funny, just write down the facts. So he says, my father is a priest at a mental institution in the UK. What he really said, my father is a priest at a mental institution in the UK. So that's a really horrible accent. He, 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 he so, <clears throat> so he says this and I'm like, oh shit, there's irony there. And he goes, how, why, what do you mean? I said, your father. And I said, first of all, we can say, my father is a pre, has, my father has one of the toughest jobs in the world. It's like, and make, that's a hook, right? So the yeah. audience goes, why? And they're like, because he's got, he's a priest at a mental institution in the UK. You see, in the UK, we take all mentally insane and we put them in mental institutions. In the United States, you just give them a job on Fox News or put them in Congress. 
so now you have a joke there, right? Yeah. That's a compare and contrast. In the UK, we do this. In America, we do this. Hmm. So that's a side-by-side -side comparison. We love those things. Uh, and then he says, then he says, my, my father's a priest at a mental institution. So he, he reiterates that. And then he says, it's like, it is his job to convince his flock that somebody's watching them at all times, meaning God. Right. They are, in fact, in the mental institution because they believe <laughs> somebody's watching them at all times. So you see, there's the irony, right? Yeah. So it's like, which is double entendre in a way, a double meaning of the phrase, somebody's watching me at all times, God or paranoia, right? So that's kind of how you, and I saw that and I see that because I was like, oh, wow, what is mental? What would, so I'm like, mental institution, a priest at a mental institution, what would that be like? What would happen? He's telling people who are insane that somebody's watching them at all times. That would be the simple truth of what a priest does. God is watching you. Yeah, oh yeah. So is everybody else, <laughs> right? So huh. somebody get me a straitjacket, right? So it's like, so when there's a weird tie in there too, because the irony of like being in a straitjacket because you believe that somebody's in the clouds watching you at all times. Um. So, so and so it's a great place to find it is in the truth, in some sort of it. truth, state of fact. Like, let's do this one. I'll, I'm actually releasing a video on it. So it's like taking one word, you know, and Joel Byers, my friend over there at the Hot Breath Network, he does a Write 10 Club where you take, so he gives the uh, the comedians a word and they have to have 10 minutes to write a joke on it. Mm. So it's like, how do you write from one word? Uh, one might be the word lazy, right? So that's, how do you express yourself? What's a fact about you? I'm lazy, right? It's like, oh, so we can go uh, top 10 reasons you know you're lazy. That top 10 list started out back in the writer's rooms as a punchline generator, like hmm. top 10 reasons you know you're lazy. And so, and you exaggerate and you come up with ideas how you know you're lazy. But I can even take it further and you go, what would be the worst thing to be lazy at? What would be the worst thing to be lazy at? As a man. Yeah, sex, I would think, right? Sex. I'm lazy at sex. That would suck, right? I'm lazy. That's funny, actually. <laughs> think about it. It's like, what's well, like, so it's like I can say to the audience, you know, Andy, hey, how many people here can consider themselves great lovers? You good, good, you're a great lover? Yeah, yeah. I'm a lazy lover, man. It's like, that's just funny because it's got an alliteration, lazy yeah. lover, right? It's like, I'm a lazy lover. Like, my favorite position is a nap. You got a solid joke right there. Yeah, Don't, that's good. Also self-deprecating, right? You're making fun of yourself. And now you've got, so now let's go with another one, rain. Okay. Now here's where your comedy structures can come into play. The original definition of a joke is two dissimilar ideas converging. Right, taking two ideas, putting them together. We can do that with analogy. My girlfriend's like an egg, hard on the outside, soft on the inside. And in the mornings, I like her over easy, right? So that's a, like, you're creating an analogy. And what you're doing is giving the audience an illogical equation. My girlfriend is like an egg. They go, how? You know, uh, cracked. Um, my girlfriend's like an egg, scrambled. Like you take, now here's the trick with that type of joke. And anybody can take this and make these jokes. Right. This is something they could do right now. So, Jerry, we talked about at the beginning. How can you start something like conversational? Yeah. Like use analogies, man. They're so easy. My ex, who is an alcoholic, is a lot like the signal on a smartphone. At any given time, I could usually find her at at least one bar.
So, um, so, <laughs> so now we blend the technology and comedy. But in this yeah, case, that's a good one. we take rain, right? Take two dissimilar ideas. If you practice the girlfriend like an egg or boyfriend like an egg joke, you're going to find a lot of stuff to play with because now here's the key to making those jokes work. The connector line, my girlfriend's like an egg, hard on the outside, soft on the inside. That's true for each egg and girlfriend. My girlfriend, hard on the outside, soft on the inside. Metaphorically, we say that and people go, yeah, that sounds like it's true. Egg, definitely hard on the outside, soft on the inside, unless it's hard boiled, like my first wife. Uh, now, <laughs> but you could say that now you have a truth, right? Yeah. Two dissimilar ideas converging and the audience is dying for you to solve it for true. Ah. And all you do is solve it for true. So it's true for each. So and then you separate it hard on the outside, soft on the inside. That could be a girlfriend hard on the outside, soft on the inside. That could be an egg. Now my girlfriend's like an egg hard on the outside, soft on the inside. And in the mornings, I like her over easy. Right, you can pump that up a little bit. Now you got after you're done pumping her. Hey, you got me. Hey, yeah, that shit thing, right? So you have, um, you see what I'm saying? You can yes. work with those with IT. You can do that. You know, all these. Uh, my first wife is like um, an Apple computer. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah. all day. Fucking expensive, and pretty much good for about eight years. Um. Then it's, it's just done, <laughs> right? So that is that true for Apple computers? It's true for Apple computers. Could that be true for first wives? Uh, metaphorically yes. speaking, sure. Yeah, right. Metaphorically speaking, sure. <laughs> so it's like um, I'm just doing talking about the, you from, from personal experience, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> so in this case, like, uh, so that's that's a cool way to do it, right? So yeah. now analogy. Play with that all day. My girlfriend's like a drink of water. My girlfriend's like a, you know, and the reason I say girlfriend is because it makes it personal, right? Sure. We can feel that tension. We're talking about personal relationships. How can we, one thing that really helps you get to the volumes of jokes yeah. is to find that secondary idea. I once knew a stripper whose name was Rain. Yeah. Rain was the name of a stripper. So now you have stripper, all this stuff related to stripper, the sexuality of it, the embarrassment of it, all of the tension there that's with stripper. And now list everything you can think about dealing with stripper and everything you can think about dealing with rain and then start finding the, the combinations that collide to make are true for each and both at the same time. So um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Jokes are word puzzles. They're word puzzles. So it's like, that's how you sort of piece those together, knowing that incongruity in a way I'm tying in. And then people also recognize what a stripper is, what rain is, and they can see that tie in, you know, you don't have to get naughty. You can be very clean. You can be like, uh, had to cancel the game today because it rains cats and dogs. Uh, rain can't, you know, the bad news is we had to cancel the game. The good news is they're all rescues. <laughs> so it's something as simple as that you could do as well. Too, because all you're doing is taking a word, what else can it be? And then yeah. really kind of breaking it down. Once you do that regularly and you start saying all these different things, even as a hobby, just like somebody does puzzles for a hobby, plays video games for a hobby, yeah, sure. you're taking wordplay and doing it for a hobby and practicing with it. Then when you're with your friends, you see those patterns repeat themselves. You know, 
my friends started by listening to comedy on the television or on the radio and then writing down the jokes that made him laugh and then trying those in front of his friends and then realizing that his friends would laugh. And then, then he would also be able to, then he started realizing in conversation that some of the same patterns that showed up in the, in the jokes he was telling were showing up in something he was saying. And then he'd use that same technique that he learned from telling those jokes in that conversation he was having. Huh. Yeah, that's really you know. cool. So right, there's but, like those are that's some of the simplest ways to build jokes from which scratch. Which is which is perfect, right? Like for the for our audience, I think that's perfect. Is the you know kind of that basics. Really, you know, IT guys love puzzles, right? We love trying to solve things. So that's really I think speaks to 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 IT guys and it'll be helpful. Um, anything that you want to cover as far as um, uh, like things you want to talk about? Any shows you got coming up uh, or anything? how uh, people can reach out to you, learn more, be more. Yeah. Deep. I mean, I think one of the best things is like, I've got, first of all, in a couple of weeks, I'm doing a weekend workshop in Vegas. The writing workshop is one thing that I, when I first started teaching this, I started doing the weekend workshops. And it's basically two days, six hours a day, comedy writing intensives. We cover everything. And you guys are writing jokes in your first hour. That's what I love about this thing. Is like I see people that are lay people that come in and start writing jokes. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm writing jokes, jokes that are decent, that jokes that are getting laughs. And it's like, that's the fascinating part for me. Uh, so there's uh, that uh, that's coming up. And also I've got every week I do the a la carte classes where this session, we I do them in 12 week semesters. And in this session, we're doing, uh, we have 12 comedians uh, that are, I've got a following that people have asked about and we're, I'm drilling down and showing how they write their jokes. Um, and I, I just did Nate Bergazzi, who basically broke the record of the streaming record from Amazon uh, Originals or Amazon Prime, uh, where he download, they, people downloaded uh, his special called Hello World uh, 2.9 million times in the first 28 days, beating Jim Gaffigan, who had 2.4 million downloads in the first 28 days. So, uh, you know, so that was really incredible. So that's one of the reasons I focused on Nate. Got it. Plus, Nate is a very easygoing conversationalist. Yeah. He's from Tennessee. It's like you really have to drill down and see what he's doing and his technique to get the laughs. Uh, he's using some old school methods like Jerry Seinfeld repeating the same phrase and word in a sentence or multiple sentences. It just keeps appearing. Um, and it's just a technique that works. Um, he does some, he does, he'll start on a way to a, the goal of the joke and then deviate and go off on the side thing for a, a while and then, and then get back to the main part of the story. And they laugh that he's spent all this time over here rather than on the story. It's really good, interesting storytelling. And mm. people think he's new. He's been at this 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's selling out um, selling out venues, also broke yeah. another record in the, in, and sold out this uh, venue in, um, in Tennessee uh, where it was like 19,000 people. Uh, so he's killing it, man. Yeah, wow. Um, and he's also been called the nicest guy in comedy, ah. besides me. Ah. You know, <laughs> no, he's just, and for a comedian who's at his level of success who's still just so nice to everybody yeah it's not common people kind of easily get full of themselves uh -huh. and he just stays nice and uh -huh. that's the secret stay nice to everybody on the way up you meet those same people on the way down a hundred percent agree with that um all right well thank you so much jerry for your time today i really do appreciate it man uh, and the website 
Oh. You can come to the website and see all the classes that are available. And that's standupcomedyclinic.com. Standupcomedyclinic.com. I'll do it like a commercial. Standupcomedyclinic.com. That's standupcomedyclinic.com. Call now. <laughs> you have a membership on that? It's like, uh, Not yet, but now with – I've got 110 a la carte classes already in the can. Oh, yeah. So all this to... material that's available, it's time to do a membership site. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And so I'll be doing one where they have access to everything yep. and they can download and learn as they go. And so plus my yeah. YouTube channel, which I give away a lot of stuff oh, on. Yeah. The YouTube channel is, I mean, you, if you, uh, I mean, good luck with the membership. I know it's going to kill it. The YouTube channel to me, uh, I will, I will just, whenever I'm doing anything and I want to, oh, you know what? I probably should just. Getting that, you know, I got out of the comedy mindset. I need to get in the comedy mindset. I'll just go find a Jerry Corley video or two, watch him and be like, okay, I'm back in it. I'm feeling great. <laughs> so yeah, you know, your YouTube like, channel. It's funny. Great. It's funny when you get comments that say those that can't teach really college professors who are the top lawyers in the world also teach. Why? Why? Why, why would you? Why would somebody say that? <laughs> because that's that's their best they can do with their jokes. Yeah, uh, it's like. <laughs> to come up with that Um, because people don't think you can teach and it's like the the thing is is like there's a ton of great comedians out there that can't teach oh yeah but they don't like when George Carlin said I said what are those elements that make a joke work and he goes like you gotta have to learn those on your own kid and then later on he was like he took a glass of wine and a painkiller because that was his drug of choice at the time Mm. and he said I think the reason I said that was because I don't know Mm intuitively i know he just but knows. i can't verbalize it you got it you know wow. it's like maybe you can like find the labels for that stuff like my dad used to label everything you can label that identify it and then you can teach it and i was like okay and here we are and that's what i did <laughs> that's where i learned that i said he taught me he said that i said okay and i took that kind of as a command thinking that was a note for him to me to yeah. learn i have how i can learn more is by labeling this stuff and so I started to do that. And that's when I started to identify, go, holy shit, these do repeat themselves. Holy shit, that, guy, that comedian just used this one. What do we call that? That's a simple truth. That's a simple truth. What do we call this one? That's an incongruity. And plus, then I get Melvin Hellitzer's book, Comedy Writing Secrets, and he already had some labels. So I sort of built off of his labels because mm. he was a journalism professor at Ohio University. Oh. And he was teaching comedy courses based on Gene Parrott's book but kind of like dumbed it down a little bit for lay people ah. and it made it, and it really is a good uh, book to get to as well, along with breaking comedy's DNA. Of and you'd still recommend Gene Parrott's book as well, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Still works today. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. And, and Melvin Hellitzer's book. And if you're learning comedy, I try to get Gene, uh, uh, Judy Carter's book, Greg Dean's yeah. book. Yeah. All of that stuff is going to give you something that you go, Oh, here's a tidbit. And maybe they say it in a certain way. That flips the switch that I didn't sure. say it. You yeah, know, the way yeah. I didn't say it. All of a sudden they go, yep. "Oh, I see." So yeah. it all works it, together. I think that's the difference of mastery versus. Oh, I read a book on it and now I'm good. No, no, no. You try if you're trying yeah. to master it, you gotta you gotta have a lot of teachers. I, I read all the books, <laughs> but it, the old, also the one thing to do is to you know not not that I've read all the books, but every time there one comes out, I try to get it, try to go through it, and look at oh, is there something new that I can share with my students? Um, and uh, and I think that's helped a lot too. And this is something I'll just touch on real fast. A lot of times when I hear news, I don't just read the news. I read the news as if I'm going to explain it to somebody later 
so they understand it. Huh. And so now I absorb so much more. Like when I was like when I first got into like technology, I had to I couldn't afford to get my computer fixed, so I had to rebuild mine. So I got this really cool book on how to rebuild a computer. And the guy, the way the guy wrote it is he talked to me. I felt he was talking to me, which is where the Breaking Comedy's DNA voice comes from. Huh. And I was like, and so I was able to follow this book and rebuild my computer and it worked. I was like, oh my God, it works. And I was like, I felt so empowered that I understood what made this thing tick. And that's why, I, that's the stuff. And that was early, early, early in my comedy career. And that's what I applied to my comedy was the mechanics of how to explain this. So when I read something, I want to be able to read it so I can explain it. And that's kind of how I try to write the book. So it's like people identify what it is. And sometimes they'll still run into a block. And that's when people get private coaching uh, from me. I coach. I have a bunch of people on my coaching list that I'm coaching right now. Um, we coach. Uh, we have a great time doing it. And um, so it's like that's – comedy's amazing, man. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Jerry. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. All right. Well, that's the end of the interview with Jerry Corley. I think it's been great. Uh, certainly look him up if you have any interest in uh, pursuing comedy. If, you've, if you're if you into it, into comedy now and you'd like some, some time to punch up jokes, to think about jokes differently, think about the science of jokes. I think one of the things that he does that's super neat is he really deconstructs, you know, why we laugh at things and then what you can do to punch up to to change your jokes and what you'll be looking for as you write with that said i want to say thank you very much to my fellow misfit matt campisi my name is jerry black have a wonderful day that's it for today's stand-up meeting remember this isn't just a podcast it's a weekly process to find the funny you are front row at the birth of any of this comedy it's open source so please feel free to share this with people that you work with if you share something funny with other people, their day will be brighter and you'll be amazed at how much better your day is because of it.